This episode of Facade Podcast is brought to you by Fetish, a digital series about any and every desire, from BDSM to cross-dressing, ASMR, calismophilia, to oral food fixations. Fetish will spend the entire year of 2020 filming and discussing your boundaries. Fetish debuts in February on YouTube. From Invisible Studios, this is Facade Podcast. Whimsical cultural analysis presented in relevant, understandable ways that critique and celebrate hip-hop while discussing our place in it. I am your host, Dr. Brian Keith Hoskins. Today, we begin our Season 2, Episode 3, with Ether, where we explore the unparalleled reign of the legendary Roots Band, dive into five random topics, our therapy exercise, neither nor, either or, what we not gonna do, Tom about and end with the detangle. Everybody who say they down ain't. Don't forget to download this episode and subscribe. Let's go. The album, Do You Want More, by the legendary Roots Band. Now, the song that I'm going to play first is a song that that touched my heart. Because in 1995, I'd failed at being a journalist in Macon, Georgia, at the Macon, I don't know if it's Constitution or whatever. (laughs) So I came back to Oklahoma City, and uh, I heard about this rap contest at this place called The Glass Key. And so, you know, you had to pay money to get in, and they, it was like a battle of $500 for $500. And so, at the time, I was Enlightenment. That was my MC name. And so, you know, at the end of the, you know, the gauntlet, it was only one MC left standing. <laughs> That's me. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's people out there that can verify the story. I slayed a gang of MCs to get to the top. But in doing so, the Roots Band, Black Thought was an MC. I was like, man, I don't know if I can take Black Thought. Because he was an excellent spitter, right? And so when I heard this song right here on this album, right, Proceed, like it changed my life and perspective as an MC. And so, because this is how a real MC is. I shall proceed and continue to rock the mic. I shall proceed and continue to rock the mic. Hey, this is my joint. Just think, think, think. What if you could just, 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 just blink yourself away? Blink, 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 blink. Just think, just think. What if you could just blink yourself away? Blink, 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 blink. I be the five foot seven. Residing at the Mecca rest address in South Section. Used to cut class in the infinite pursuit of ass. Back in 86. With the chicks, I was a child. I was a child. Raised in the cellar with the rhythm like Ella. Walk the mega types to the subway. Where I lay, 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 l
banana rock at the block party. Everybody jock. Who, me? me? It's the MC sucking niggas in V. I got my contract in, in 1993. 1993. Ever since then, right? Oh, so hold on, hold on. So I got I got ahead of myself. So let me go back. So if you I would never recommend that uh you use Wikipedia to learn anything, right? But this is how it's laid out. The roots are an American hip hop band formed in nineteen eighty seven by Tariq Black Thought Trotter and Amir Quest Love Thompson in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, United States. Like it would be where else would it be? <laughs> the Roots currently serve as the house band on NBC's Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon, having served in that same show and same role, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, from 2009 to 2014. So keep in mind, Roots Band was created in 1987. Right now, it's 2019. So they've endured like no other hip-hop group in the history of the art form. Right? And so I just wanted to take this time to highlight in this section of Ether to highlight the contribution of the Roots Band, the only band in hip hop history. Right? Only. I, I think I, I try to, I try to, I did my, I did my Googles on my internets. No other band. Roots Band. Right? So back to that. Philadelphia Half Life is their second album. So this album releases in 1996. So they did album 95, come back, album 96. So now this, this album. Sorry, why this album was the group's third album, right? And it was their first album to break the top 40 on Billboard 200, right? Their first song was What They Do. <laughs> what They Do. That was their first release, right? And some of y'all ain't never heard that. So I'm going to let you get a little, get a little piece of What They Do right here, classic hip-hop. So, hip hop history note, my son was born in 97, partly because of this album. <laughs> yeah, so shout out to Osiris. Uh huh. World population confront their frustration. The principles of true hip hop have been forsaken. It's all contractual and about money making. Pretend to be cats, don't Woo! seem to know their limitation. Woo! Exact replication and false representation. You want to be a man, then stand your own. To MC requires skills, I demand some show. I let the force keep fronting and roam like a cellular phone far from home. Giving crowds what they want. Official hip hop The fifth thumping. Giving crowds what they wanting. So, so let me be clear. The Roots Band, Black Thought, one MC, so even though he wasn't the first MC that they only had, right? So if you listen to the, if you listen to the first album, it's another MC on that album that's extra hot, too. So you got Renzel, Rozelle, 
Who's the beatbox? Yeah, so Scott Storch was the keyboardist, right? He joined the band. Most people don't know that. Little known hip-hop fact. If you're not, you like, you know, doing the hip-hop thing, right? And so, yeah, it'll have Half-Life. This is uh, 1996. And so this album, this single on the album is they break the wild, right? Things Fall Apart. Things Fall Apart debuts in 1999. So it's three years later. That's Erica Badu singing. The song peaked at number four on the Billboard 200 charts. Somebody told me that this planet was small. We used to live in the same building on the same floor. And never met before until I'm overseas on tour. And peep this Ethiopian queen from Philly taking classes abroad. She's studying film and photo fast focus record. Says she working on a flick and come my click do the score. She says she loved my show in Paris. And Elise Momar. And that I stepped off the stage. And took a piece of a heart. Start that things fall apart, intent to shatter. They do like that. Don't matter when, when you I get, get home, get at her, let her phone, whatever. Let's link, let's get together. Do you think not? Think the thought went home and forgot. Time passed, we back in Philly. Now she up in my spot. She up on my spot. Me the things I'm telling her. Be making a hot. Started building with her constantly round the clock. Now she in my world like hip hop and keep telling me, telling me. If you are worried about where. I been on who I saw, oh, what club I went to with my homies, baby, don't worry, you know that you got me. So, yeah, Erykah Badu sings on that joint, right? Gold album, 500,000 units, sold, album certified platinum, April 2013, right? And so then the group goes to a little turmoil, so you had a 1999 release of that album, 2001, Malik B. That was MC I forgot about earlier. Malik B leaves the group, right? But then the Roots, they re-up. After their best album sales ever, they re-up. Guess what they do? They do a, a version of MTV Unplugged with Jay-Z, right? The Unplugged Joint. So if you've never seen Jay-Z's MTV Unplugged concert, there's a lot of hot joints on there. And the Roots orchestrates all of it flawlessly, right? <laughs> like only the Roots band can. And uh, here's a piece of that. to the Izzo, 2001, Jay-Z's second classic album. So I give, so when I do my rankings of best MCs ever, I rank discography. So Hove got, uh, 
Reasonable Doubt, classic. This album, Blueprint, classic. Some would argue the Black album is a classic. I don't think so, but I'll give it. I'll give it four and a half, right? So I digress. Bruce Band hooks up with Jay Z to do the MTV Unplugged that had never been done before on MTV at the time, right? So then after that time passes, essentially, Jay Z does his 2003 farewell concert at Madison Square Garden, and of course, who did it? Bruce Band, right? Faith to Black is the the accompanying concert film. Hove retires, supposedly. So anyway, after that, Bruce Band drops Phrenology, right? So the album Phrenology dropped in 2002, right? So then after that, Ben Kenny and Scratch, they both left the group, right? And they created Incubus. So anyway, that's another side note. So after they do the Tipping Point, which is the Roots, you know, a lot of jam sessions that they put together, the Roots ends up doing a film with... My favorite comedian ever, Mr. Dave Chappelle. Does the Dave Chappelle Block Party? This is in 2006. Roots, uh, they perform at that. Film was released. Actually, Block Party was performed 2004, but it came out as Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Film, 2006. Right? After that, Roots dropped Game Theory, 2006. That album, of course, was followed by The Rising Down. 2008, right? So we we looking at so we from 87, 2008, right? And so the roots still they still got heat in the chamber, right? So how I got over comes out in 2010. They then follow that album up with the Undone, which dropped December 6, 2011. In the interim, they do some mixed work with Big Crit. With uh, Dice Raw, right? They 2011. They do the Betty Wright, the movie album did a song with Betty Wright. They follow that up with Wise Up Ghost, Elvis Costello. This is a collaboration on Blue Note Records that drops September 17th, 2013, and then they drop You Shot Your Cousin, <laughs> 2014. All right, and so as we move forward, like the roots. The legacy has spanned across all this time, right? 2016, they back up Usher, right, for his Global Citizen Benefit concert in Montreal, Quebec, in Canada. And then they essentially work with Knife Wonder and Salon Remy, right, contribute to that album, which dropped in March of 2017, right? And so they keep it moving, right? March of 2019, it's revealed that they got an unreleased beat. Right, a Jay Dillard one. <laughs> so that spans they work, right? But oh, then they get interviewed June twenty fifth, two thousand nineteen, in the New York Times, and they talk about how essentially they work. So Universal Records had a fire. Universal, a fire. You see the air quotes. Fire, two thousand eighteen. Come to find out, the masters of Do You Want More and Ill Death Half Life were destroyed in that fire, right? So I don't know how true that is, but that's what it is on record. And so, anyway, I want to close this section of Ether with some nothing but fire for my man Black Thought, who was in uh, 2017, he was on Funk Master Flex, spitting nothing but bars. <laughs> yeah, here's a section of the bars, because he busts for like 11 minutes. I'm not going to go 11 minutes, but I'm going to give you a little bit of something of him spitting right here. 
on fool swear they wise wise men know they foolish but we was headed for the web even before computers i never thought you'd give me a reason to do this cain and abel jesus and judas caesar and brutus i see intruders avert your eyes i told you keep out of the hood circumcised how could you sleep i thought you always was the first to ride hey yo you heard the line everybody plays the fool well i'll be that exception to the rule the principal to hand deliver lessons to the school i was making major moves my dollar deja vu my mission when my ambition was brandishing a tool to be an icon wearing slippers made a python getting mine quicker because i'm slick as a pipeline transporting the oil tribulation and toil hit the operation but i'm back in the soil got my crown tilted my gown quilted silk with cashmere burn the room down in a minute built it last year news flash i dodged a bullet that killed the cashier my homie told me to come with him to the mass shit them brothers said don't go from written bars filled with rage to prime time television and your gilded cage then forget us people in the world still enslaved i barbed wire my wrist and let it fill a page gunfire and flare sirens glare i'm in an iron chair with people who care don't get the lion's share when i Hello. Hello. What's up, brother? Man, what's going on with you? Man, record the podcast. What you doing? Oh, you busy? <laughs> I'm only 17 minutes in. Oh, Lord. I'm going to say, well, let me call. I'm going to call me back when you finish. Okay, brother. I'll call you back. Okay. All right. So that there was my young gun with my two godsons. Sound like he on parental watch. <laughs> Looking for a way out. But yeah. Anyway, Roots Band, pay homage. I told Isis to look up the Roots Band for me, right? Isis, mm-hmm. how many albums Roots got? 17. 17 albums. How many was a uh, studio? Uh, 14. How many was live albums? Two. And what was the other one? Three. Oh, uh, <laughs> completion albums was three. Live albums was two. Studio albums was 14. Okay. My girl. So anyway. That's the end of the of the section for the Roots Band, right? So that's the end of Ether. And so we're getting ready to get into our next segment, which is extra fun for me. <laughs> it's our five random topics, right? I just got back from an ass conference, so I'm getting ready to go all the way in. So, the first random topic is food truck bless. Oh, man. Shout out to Trap Kitchen PDX. Man, so, I, so I'm there Saturday. I'm in Portland, Oregon. I'm hungry, right? Taking a break from, from the, the rigors of ap- academic presentations. Uh, yeah, all that there. <laughs> so I talked to, I, I talked to my, my squad. I talked to Dr. Brett, Dr. Tavis, my man, Dr. Garcia. I'm like, hey, y'all, let's go get something next. So they say, where are you going? I say, we're going to Trap Kitchen. And they say, hey, I say, hey, I'm going to get this, uh, a, uh, this, uh, what's that called? Lift. It was like 27 minutes. So Dr. Tavis was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm driving. So we're getting our Honda Accord. Sidebar. She got, I'm, seriously, 11 pairs of shoes in her back seat <laughs> of her Honda Accord. And on top of that, <laughs> she got a bear in the seat belt in the back seat. 
And I said on that bear, sat on the bear's head. Well, I unhooked the bear and set the bear in the back seat. Anyway, we go to Trap Kitchen. So we get there, right? And we drive past. We don't see nothing. We never been. I don't know. It's food trucks. So we turn around, Trap Kitchen. We like, oh, they got Trap Kitchen vegan. They got Trap Kitchen regular, PDX. So we like, hey, let's get something to eat. And, of course, we don't got no money. All we got is swipes. They take money, cash for that ass. So we like, hey, where can we get cash? They're like, hey, you can go to the store next door. So we run up to the store next door, the Tikaria. Hey, we buy something. They charge you $2 per $10 to buy something to get cash back, which is trash, but I needed $40. So it was all good. So I got my money. We all get our money. We go back. This is what I ordered. I ordered hot wings, right? But they was like a pineapple hot wing. Oh. So good. <laughs> and then to go, I ordered some, uh, what else did I order? I ordered the pineapple. Oh, oh, yeah, the catfish sandwich. Man. So I ain't never had a cat. So I, I hate Texas toast. Just so you know, absolutely hate it. But this here? Oh. This here? Oh. <laughs> this tastes better than. <laughs> well, I can't say that on the pod. This tastes better than Popeye's. Two thousand percent. Put a whole pile of Popeye's chicken sandwiches together. It don't taste better than this chicken sandwich, than this catfish sandwich that I got from Trap Kitchen PDX. One hundred thousand percent. I put my life on the line for that. And then I topped it off with. I said I'm gonna spend this whole forty. I got a piece of this Neapolitan cake, y'all. Oh, it's stretched chocolate on the top, so it had a, a, a like a, a lemon icing on top. With the chocolate layer, the white uh, vanilla layer, and the um, the strawberry layer, right? So I had to separate them because I ain't ate, I don't eat nothing white. So I had to separate them. I ate the strawberry and chocolate. Oh, <laughs> it was so good. Oh, it was so good. And so my partners, they got a, I don't know what Dr. Garcia. Yeah, he. I didn't even. I don't know what he got because he inhaled it. I turned around. <sighs> His whole meal was gone. <laughs> and so I, I forgot I forgot what the ladies got. They got uh, rice, uh, shrimp, uh, banana, something. They got something. But anyway, it, the meal was scrumptious. So that was the highlight of my whole ash. I got to spend some time with, with people that I care about, with scholars that I know in the field. I got to go get something to eat at Trap Kitchen PDX. And so it was absolutely good. Right, two thousand percent. And so, oh yeah, highlight thing that I learned the most about people at Ash. Yeah, some they some of them ain't about that life, man. We be talking about that social justice life. They ain't about that life. They say they love students. They want to protect students. Yeah, they got colleagues out here. Yeah, putting their hands on students in a nasty way. <laughs> Not that that's funny, but what's funny and sad is that people know about it, but they don't want to talk about it. So anyway, that first first random topic, if you ever go to Portland, Oregon, Trap Kitchen PDX, for you vegans out there, for you people that like to eat meat, y'all know I've been talking on the podcast, I'm trying to transition into plant-based life, and I'll be there by the 1st of January. But I just needed to get that. I need to get that catfish. That catfish was actually, it was actually dope. So, anyway, shout to them. Salute. They took a picture. They put me on their uh, website. And they got the blue check. They got the blue check. So, they're official than a referee 
hueso. <laughs> and I'm sure they got plenty of corn in the PD in the Trap Kitchen vegan truck because that line was extra corny. <laughs> Let's go to topic two. Topic number two, paper straws. So let me be clear when I say this. And it, and it, and it ain't no disrespect to nobody, really. I mean, it's just how I feel. So I don't care if all of the ocean life in the ocean dies from eating a regular straw. I don't care about that. What I care about is when I got my drink, I don't want to have to drink it in seven minutes. Because if on the eighth minute, the paper straw that they put in my drink Get soft. And I hate that. By minute 11, when I try to lift a straw up, it's already breaking. And because they don't give me three straws or four or five straws, right? Like I have to keep, I, obviously I'm drinking out of the cup or the glass. Like I didn't want to do that. But, not, but I got the paper straw. They, actually, they didn't even ask me did I want it. And of all the places that I went this weekend. So, I got to go, when I fly, every time I go to Portland, I hang out with my line brother, Mark, right? That's my guy. So we hang out, right? And so his daughter's there. We get to hang out. We go to uh, Ken's Artesian Pizza. Whew. Let me tell you. So the one thing I like about being a professor is every time I go out, I get whatever I want to eat. You dig? But what I love to eat is in places that I don't normally go to. So when I go there to the conference in Portland this last weekend, I see uh, people with a blue star boxes of donuts, which they say is the dope spot, right? And then I see voodoo donuts, which people say is the um, is the spot that's commercialized, so don't really go there. Go to the blue star, right? I'm not from there. Then they got this place called Salt and Straw, which is a, uh, a ice cream shop. We didn't get to go to that. I'm mad about that. Anyway, we ran out of time. And so we get to go to the Kids Artesian Pizza. Man. When I tell you, so if you're eating Domino's pizza, um, if you're eating Pizza Hut pizza, <laughs> you're doing yourself a disservice. Step your pizza game up. Don't go to the chains. Go to the hole-in-the-wall pizza places. We, when we went off into this place, so the, the oven that they cook with was the size of a jail cell. And for those of you that know how big that is, Google it, right? <laughs> I realize I got a, a large swath of, of listeners to the podcast. So some of y'all got street affiliations, and some of y'all, you know, grandparents or parents probably own private prisons. So that's the swath. The, that's the, the variety of type of listeners that listen to the Facade Podcast. But anyway, so when we walk in there, they cooking pizzas. And when I tell you it was hardly no seats to get in there, we had to wait like 30 minutes to eat. But it was worth it. So, you know, we talked. We chopped it up, blah, blah, blah. And so I was sweating. We was all sweating because it was so hot off in there because the, the, the oven is right in the center of the restaurant, which is an interesting configuration for a variety of reasons. But you don't have to sign any waivers or whatever, even if you feel like your skin is melting off because <laughs> it's extra hot in there. But so we order. What do we order first? We ordered, uh, oh, we ordered these salads. So we had our uh, Caesar salads first. That was good. Then we had um, calamari. Mm. So the best calamari I've ever had is when I went to Maui. I want to say two summers ago, it was scar. Rumptious. It, so it was so good that if you'd have dropped it off my plate onto the sand on the beach, I would have ate it with the sand on it. 
Like that, <laughs> that's, that's how good that calamari was. So this calamari was the second best calamari that I ever had. It was extra good. Oh, oh, and then we had we had the uh, we had oh they made this this potato thing. So they made these I guess the shaved potatoes on a bed of um, sweet potatoes. Never had it like that before with these sautéed carrots and these beets. Oh. Man, not beats by Dre. These beats by Ken's. And when I tell you they was extra good, mm. <sighs> licking my fingers through the meal. That's how good it was. So we at Ken's, we get a uh, pepperoni pizza. They get pepperoni pizza because I don't eat pork. And I get the mushroom pizza. Oh, So I like to make sandwiches. So when I get my pizza, I fold the, the pizza over, right, and then eat it on top. So I, I just I get two, I eat four pieces. Right, it's like two sandwiches, then I'm done. Four pieces of pizza. It was absolutely great. But while we're sitting there enjoying our conversation, right? Like we 30 minutes into the conversation, I look over to the left of my ice cup where my paper straw is at, and pieces of the paper straw is floating in my cup. Man, I hated that. It ruined it, right? Because then I had to school, I had to reach my hand in there. Right? Instead of my fork or my spoon, I had to reach my hand in there to make sure I got it all out, dump it on the side, right? Right, the negrosity, I know. Dump it on the side, and I'm like, hey, I need another paper straw. Because I asked specifically, do you have any metal straws? No, sir, we don't have any. Do you have any plastic straws? Well, sir, we want to make sure that the walruses and the dolphins, I don't care about that. I care about my straw not disintegrating when it's only been in the water for eight minutes. That's what I care about. Can it be about me for once, please? <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I cared about, right? So I, I don't care about no paper straws. And for all of you that have got a criticism about me because I don't care about paper straws or any animal in the ocean, because they ate a plastic straw, so because of that, they died, or they got caught up in a bundle of plastic straws just floating in the ocean. That never, ever happens, right? Then, hey, you just have to be mad at me, and again, I really don't care. So they got to they gotta create a straw that is, uh, I don't know. They could, I'm sure they can make some type of synthetic straw that right at the 35th minute, it just disappears. <laughs> So then, so then it's no, it's no impact on the environment, right? Nobody loses. I don't lose because I got a soggy drink. The animals in the ocean don't lose because they're not dead, and we all win. I just want to get the win. So yes, I hate paper straws, and I don't care if you care that I don't hate paper straws. Anyway, third topic. <laughs> Topic three, <laughs> edibles, car wash. So I got friends that live all over the globe, right? And I'm grateful for all the friendships that I have because these people expose me to, to new things, right, that I need to get into, <laughs> right? <laughs> now, because I'm a... I'm a liquor aficionado, right? So, Grand Monte, yeah. <laughs> that's my official drink. That's the drink of champions, right? Since that's my thing, I don't know anything about edibles. That that's my thing. So I don't, I don't, I don't smoke the American Jawanja. I don't do that. But I know people 
who partake. <laughs> so I was talking to one of my partners, and he was telling me about an experience that he had with an edible. So for those of you that um, are uh, wondering about should you partake, right? At the Facade Podcast, we don't judge anybody. You know, people going to do their things that they're going to do. When they do it, why they do it, we don't know. But they just do it, right? And so I was told, so I did a poll. So this is, this is a non-scientific poll. Even though I'm a scholar that conducts qualitative research, this is outside of that, right? So I called 13 people, text a couple, sorry. Called and text a couple people, and then I got some knowledge about indulgement, right? Escapism in the form of smoke. <laughs> right? And so I was told that a blunt, right? Most people that I talk to prefer the blunt because the blunt isn't all the way consumed. Like it's outside when you exhale or inside, depending on where you at. Like the smoke leaves, it escapes, right? So you don't get the the you don't get the full engagement of the leaf, right? That's inside. That you sprayed inside, that you peppered, or I don't even know what it's called, dashed. I don't, I don't know. As you put it inside the blunt, right? So I was told that the next second way to indulge, right, to give you to give you a a greater sensation is to use a bong, right? And so I was told that if you use a bong, it captures like if you got the water joint or the regular a different type of bong, like all the smoke is captured inside the bong. Yeah, so they didn't give me a picture, so I, I don't I don't really know what I'm talking about. But this is what was explained to me. So you put the however you use it in the bong, when you inhale, right? Like you get more of an experience than you do with a blunt. But the last one is when you partake in edibles, right? And so <laughs> while I was at Ash, I had a conversation with somebody that told me about some students who was on a plane, they all leave together, right? They all coming from Utah, right? And so they all leave together. As they try to back out, they have to pull back in because a student gets sick. Then they back out, and they about to leave the runway. Then they have to pull back in because another student gets sick, and they take the students off the plane, right? Come to find out, these students, they had some edibles, right? And so because these students had edibles, they didn't realize that I was told by a doctor, Specifically, I got a friend that's a doctor. Well, I'm a doctor myself. But I got a friend that's a doctor, and, and he's not the type of doctor I am. And he was like, usually if a person eats an edible, right, then you can get, you need to wait 60, 45 to 80 minutes for that edible to kick in, right, for the edible to kick in. And I was like, man, that's like a whole nother, like when I sip the grandma, yay, you know, I'm four minutes in. I feel it a little bit. Now, I'm not inebriated, but I feel it. I feel the grandma. Yeah, you can taste the sugar. You can taste the orange marmalade. It tastes extra good. But he was saying most people don't realize. They take the edible. Ten minutes later, they don't feel nothing. So they take another one. Then, then they take another one, right? And so by the end, within a 30-minute window, you take three edibles, you're going to be out of here. <laughs> like, you're not even going to remember what happened. So, for instance, like Oklahoma. So I grew up in Oklahoma. For those of you who don't know, uh, Oklahoma's, Alcohol content of beer is I don't drink beer either. So I'm kinda I'm I'm freestyling right now. So say it's 2.9, 2.8, right? It's like beer light on the alcohol side. But I know people to be come so when I come home, people be hitting me up, bring me some beer from Texas, because it's like 3.6 alcohol, which I think is stronger. 
Yeah, so 3.6 alcohol is stronger than uh, regular beer. Well, than beer in Oklahoma. And so, but that's the metric. That's the universal metric. But with edibles, ain't no metric. So when you buy the edibles across state lines, depending on where you went, you don't know what the contents of are, right? You don't know how, how dense, I guess, the smoke, the, so, I don't even know, I don't know what, what it's called, HGMO? <laughs> that's probably all the way wrong. CBD? I don't know what it's called. Whatever the alphabets are called, the high. So you don't know how intense the high is going to be. So when you get that edible, you didn't make it yourself. They could be the edible that put you to sleep for eight days, or it could be the edible that, you know, you just sweat a little bit, get diarrhea, whatever it is. <laughs> but my boy was saying, hey, he took an edible, and then after he took his edible, he said he went to go wash his car, like two hours later. And he said that he had a single spot when he was washing his car, he said he was wiping the car in one spot, and then, like, an hour later, <laughs> he was still wiping in that same spot. <laughs> so, my point is, it took him, like, four hours to get his car washed. Please, if you take edibles, do your research, right? Because you don't want to be washing your car for an hour, at least one spot. So, he had wiped it almost to where the paint was off in one spot. <laughs> And the rest of the car was dirty. <laughs> so be careful when you're out of huffing and puffing on these edibles. <laughs> Topic number three. <laughs> Time of the day drinks. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I want to I talk about. Time of the day, drinks. Like I said, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a drink aficionado, right? So I know not to drink a shot of whiskey and follow that up with a shot of vodka because clear and brown don't go together, right? Especially if you haven't eaten. But that's, that's just a rule. Some people don't know the rules, right? So... When I head to Ash, the conference that I just mentioned, I get on the plane. My flight leaves at 6.35. 6.35. There are people on that flight. The people sitting to my right, they order Bloody Mary. Now, Bloody Mary has... Hold on, let me look, let me look, up, let me look up what a Bloody Mary has. Let me see. Bloody Mary... Recipe, uh, yeah, yeah. So if I'm eating, a, if I'm drinking a Bloody Mary, right? Hold on, Bloody Mary is it's a cocktail that has vodka in it, tomato juice, um, Worcestershire sauce, hot sauce, garlic, horseradish, <laughs> horseradish, horseradish, celery, olives, salt. Black pepper, lemon juice, lime juice, and celery salt. That's a lot to be on your stomach at 635. <laughs> but you probably didn't bring, drink breakfast. Well, that is your breakfast that you are drinking, but you probably didn't eat breakfast, right? So Bloody Mary, to me, the time of the day to drink a Bloody Mary, clearly for people, is in the morning, right? It's a morning drink. Right? Time of the day drink. It's a morning drink. Now, as soon as you hit right before noon, about 11, 
Lime thotty, depending on where you at, right? A mimosa is required, right? So a mimosa, hold on, let's see what the mimosa. So what's a mimosa? My mosa, M O S A. Oh, bam, mimosas. So if you get the mimosas, so the mimosa is a cocktail comprised of champagne, right? Chilled citrus juice, usually orange juice or otherwise something else that's unspecified. It's traditionally served in a tail flute at brunch. At brunch. See, that's the key. At brunch, before lunch, in between breakfast. Served at weddings or part of a business or first-class service on some railways or airlines. I fly southwest all the time. Right? I like flying Southwest. You know why? My bags fly free. And I'm frugal. Frugalistic. Southern playlist. Southern frugalistic. Yeah. Flying. Whatever. Yeah, that's me. I'm, I like that. So bags fly free. Plus, when I buy a ticket on Southwest, if I don't use it, they bank the money, and then I can use it for a ticket later. I don't lose the ticket. Right? So, mimosa is a drink that is in a brunch. Right? Time of the day drink. Now, whiskey. <laughs> that was people at this conference that I know. Soon as it hit 1201, they was drinking whiskey. So, whiskey ain't, uh, what was that, uh, old-fashioned. That's what I had. So, when I went to Ken's, uh, I had an old-fashioned with my man, Mark. Right? We had the old-fashioned. So, the old-fashioned is a cocktail made of muddling sugar with bitters, adding of whiskey, or less commonly, brandy, and garnishing it with a tryst of citrus rind. It is occasionally served in an old flashing glass and is predated to the cocktail. Right now, it don't give a time when you're supposed to have it, but I'm damn so not having it at 1 (laughs) o'clock. Right? (laughs) We had it late. It was late that night. It was like 6.30. We had like seven. Yeah, we had like 705, really, 705. And so, but you know, that was that was a different type of drink at a different time of day. So time of day drink, like I don't know what the time of day drink rules are. I know that mimosa served at brunch. I know that people, some people drink Bloody Marys at nine at night. I don't know what the rules are, even though I'm a drink aficionado, right? So I guess I need to, I need to upgrade my drink, my drink menu, right? But here's the deal. I'm not drinking no drink. Mimosa, I'm not drinking no drink before three. Man, before happy hour. Happy hour started two. Depending on where you at, two to five. So, yeah, time of the day drinks. Drink whatever you want to drink because it's your life. Just drink responsibly. But, yeah, you shouldn't be on the plane drinking whiskey. <laughs> Definitely not at no 635 like some people that was on my flight. Topic four. My bad, my bad. Long night, long night. <laughs> we record right now, late night. We 43 minutes in. Topic number five. My bad. Lift on E. <laughs> so, here's the deal. Although, Lifting and Ubering is not for me. Like as a driver, as a profession. I don't knock people who do it, but it's not for me. I don't want strangers in my car. 
I, I got a free of lice. You know, sometimes people, they don't put grease on their hair. Groups of people, we know who they are. They don't do it. They get in the back seat of my car, right, or in the front seat to the right of me, sit in my seat, near my neck is itching. So <laughs> we're not doing that. I ain't doing that. So anyway, I just got back from Ash, like I said, but Ash is in Portland. Before the week before that, I went to Tucson, right? I'll never run back-to-back conferences. I attended the National Association for Multicultural Education, presented a paper there about... Um, uh, loosely about black girls who navigate racism in their space at their high schools. So anyway, I get there and I didn't realize that the my lift was 47 minutes from the hotel. So I stayed at the El Conquistador in um, in uh, Oro Valley, right? And so my lift driver, who's from there, picks me up, right? And so we chopping it up. I'm we 22 minutes in, and I look at his uh, gas thing, and it's on E. <laughs> like it's on, it's right, it's right above E, it's right above E. And I'm like, hey, so we driving, so we drive past one gas station, we drive past two gas stations, past three, you know. And I say, hey man, I, I you know, I feel like I I shouldn't step out my bounds because y'all don't. I hate backseat drivers, and that's a term that I use to anybody that's in the car, even people that's in the front seat. But I was literally a backseat driver, so I hesitated, which I normally don't do. And I said, hey man, you can pull up and get some gas if you need to, you know, because I'm not going. I, hey, walking, I'm yeah. Let's don't do the walking. Let's avoid the walking, Dad. Because what we could be, because it was all them cars on the side, all them cars on the road, one of us would have got hit and been walking dead for real. And he was like, oh, you know, I could pull over for you if that's what you need me to do, you know, but this is my car. And I know how many miles of my car I drive for I have to get gas. Oh, 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 oh damn. That's <laughs> what I want to say. Oh, damn. Now, keep in mind, he was in like an 03 uh, Lincoln Continental. And I'm thinking, okay, don't you got to have like 07 or 08? Is the oldest model you could have? So he fooled somebody anyway. But anyway, I was like, yeah, so okay. Uh, sure, let's go ahead and, uh, yeah, do your car. Who am I to tell you how to drive your car, man? You, yeah, do your thing. I had on my, you know, Air Max 90s. So I was like, cool, I'm ready to walk. Already had the roll back, so it really wasn't a big deal. <laughs> so <laughs> we ended up making it to the hotel. As soon as he dropped me off, it was a gas station in front of the hotel. He just pulls over. I guess he filled all the way up. Lost his whole drive because it was like $38 for me to get there. I promise he put more than $38 worth of gas <laughs> in that tank. And plus, if we was bouncing, the suspension was feeling kind of funny. So I was hoping. I'm praying for him to get a blessing so he can get a whole new car because he said he put 19,000 miles on the car since January. What? It's November. So yeah, I'm not. I'm never gonna Lyft or Uber. I just don't understand that. that yes, yeah, diminishing returns is you have to get a new car. So I'm not doing that. But anyway, yeah, I learned my lesson. Now, next time I get a Lyft or Uber, I ain't saying nothing to nobody. This day car, they riding. You know, somebody got killed uh, by a Uber driver. I, they was probably did the same thing that I did. <laughs> that I did. That's terrible. That's not funny. But they probably did the same thing that I did. Told them they was on E. They pulled over and gave them the business and killed them. So I'll never do that again. Therapy exercise.
guess what this section is? Therapy exercise, right? It's my therapy assignment. So I've been rolling, man. I've been committed to going to therapy since uh, March. Started, well, really, end of February. Started the Facade Podcast in March, in part because my therapist challenged me to create an outlet where I could deal with my anger management issues. (laughs) Yeah, so in doing so, each week she asked me a different question that I got to answer, and it has to have to make meaning about it, right? So this question is, what's the top four singles in hip-hop history and why? Like, how did they shape my life? So it got me to thinking about this special called Songs That Shook, right? So VH1, so AMC, actually. So after Walking Dead goes off, then Talking Dead goes off, then AMC has this show hosted by Quest Love and Black Thought of the previously mentioned Legendary Roots Crew, right? And so they carry they cover season one and six songs. So it's um, The Bridge... Uh, it is Outcasts, Elevators, uh, Ladies First by Queen Latifah, Kendrick, All Right, Kanye, Jesus Walks, uh, and it's another one that escapes me at the moment. Lottie Dottie? Nah, I don't remember. But anyway, so my four songs, if I did four songs that shook hip-hop culture, and culture, I'm just focused on inside of the culture. Right, that shapes hip hop culture. I picked these four songs, right? And each one of these songs impacted my life differently, shaped me as an MC, shaped me as a black man, well, black young man becoming an older man, right? I was adulting back in the day before they started the term adulting, right? So these are my four songs. The first song was created in 1988. Here it goes. Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it back because I'm brown. Selling narcotics. You rather see me in the pen than me and Lorenzo rolling in a benzo. Be the police out of shape, and when I finish, bring the yellow tape to tape off the scene of the slaughter. Still getting swallowed up bread and water. I don't know if they fags or what. Such a nigga down and grabbing his nuts. And on the other hand, without a gun, it can't get none. But don't let it be a black and a white one. Cause they'll slam you down to the street top. Black police showing out for the white cop ice cube will swarm on any motherfucker in a blue uniform just because i'm from the cpt punk police are afraid of me huh a young nigga on the war path and when i finish it's gonna be a bloodbath of cops dying in la yo dre i got something to say now ice cube is in my top five lyricists ever he was the the bulwark of N.W.A., which is evidenced by after he leaves, N.W.A. sounds extra different. <laughs> and he drops no Vaseline. Straight getting, pay, getting paid with no Vaseline. I never had dinner with the president. <laughs> so, anyway, that is, uh, that's that. But the next song, right, 
dropped in what year? 1994, right? And it's the first time. So I respect Queen Latifah, MC Light, you know, Moni Love. I respect all those MCs. But when I heard this woman MC spit on this song, I said to myself, the torch has most definitely been passed. Yo, this is the Fugees, Refugees, about to take you on a journey into the dimensions of the Book of Basement, the Basement's <laughs> Word. Uh, Man. Hey, yo, one, two, three. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The crew is called Refugees. And if you come for just the rap style, mm. stop the violence and just bring it on. This beat could get nuts. Hey, yo, I feel kind of melancholy. People think they really know me. I keep my rap up by me while I drop it, daddy. Shout me. I keep the tone fighting for my own soul. Because the bourgeois type of mental sucks like a black cone. But I remain the rebel face to face to start the EQ. Mm. The devil's mission, they can send me back to back to DC. Because I've been wild since it was the juvenile Afro. Cut it there, cause prize comes on next, and he is extra whack. <laughs> but that was the Fuji joint. That was the Fujis, not Lauren Hill solo. Fujis. So that was Lauren Hill getting extra busy. I heard that verse. I was like, man, she got the gift, right? And so that 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 changed my perspective about not necessarily woman MCs, but I just knew she was the first woman in a group. With male MCs, that she was better than them to me, right? So you got Diggable Planets, right? And, and the male MCs, they they were Diggable Planets was kind of even lyrically. They all had they they all you know, ebbed and flowed, right? But every single time Lauren was on the track with the with Pras and Wyclef, she was better than them every single solitary time. <laughs> yeah. So the third song that I felt like impacted the culture, right? This song came out in, hold on, let me check it. That would be 2000, right? It's off the Let's Get Free album by Dead Press. And of course, the name of the song is Hip Hop. Wreckage, 
one thing about music when they hit you feel no pain white folks that controls your brain i know better than that that's game and we ready for that two soldiers headed pack matter of fact who got it and where my army at rather attack and not react back to beats it don't reflect on how many records you sold on sex drugs and rock and roll whether your project put on hold in the real world he just people with ideas they just like me and you when the smoke and cameras disappear back in the real world it's bigger than all these fake fake records we po folks got the millions and my woman's disrespected if you check one two my word of advice to you is just relax just do what you got to do if that don't work then kick the fact that you want fighter rider bada flame ignite a crowd excited or you wanna just get high then just say it but then if you a lie lie pants on fire wolf cry agent with a why i'm gonna know it when i play it it's bigger than him Hip hop, hip hop, hip. It's bigger than man. You talking about revolutionaries with an agenda that was about getting free. Black people getting free, freeing our minds, right? Freeing our minds. Mm. Yeah, that song to me impacted the culture because it showed the contrast in WA. It's talking about getting free from police. That's shady, right? The vocab is really about an MC freeing herself, because to me it was about Lauren separating herself from Prize and Wycliffe again, right? Let's get free, dead prayers. But this fourth song, when I heard it, I said to myself, this is the best intro track in the history of hip-hop ever, right? <laughs> Man, ever. Ain't this what they've been waiting for? You ready? Re oh, I was ready when I heard it. Uh. Shook my soul. Uh. I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like, like this. this. So I had to grind like that to shine like, like this. this. In a matter of time I spent on some locked up shit in the back mm. of the paddy wagon, cuffs locked on wrist. See my dreams unfold. Nightmares come true. It was time to marry the game, and I said, Yeah, I do. If you want it, you gotta see it with a clear eye view. Got shorty, she try and bless me like I said I chew. Like a nigga sneeze, nigga please for them trick squeeze. I'm getting cream. Never let them hoes get in between. And what we started, little nigga, but I'm lying hearted. They love me when I was stuck and they hate it when I departed. I go and get it regardless. Draw like I'm an artist, no crawling. Went straight to walking with foreigns in my garages. Mm. A foreign bitches menaging, fucking sucking and swallowing anything for a dollar. They tell me get him, I got him, got him. Hungry me. I did it without an album. Hungry me. I did shit with Mariah. Mariah. Little nigga, I'm on fire. Mm. Icy as a hockey ring, Philly nigga, I'm flyer. When I bought the Rolls Royce, they thought it was lease. Then mm. I bought that new Ferrari, hey, to rest in peace. Hey, to rest in peace, rest in peace to the parking lot. Phantom so big, can't even fit in the parking spot. You ain't talking about my <laughs> niggas, then what you talking about? Gangsters move in silence, nigga. Hold on. <laughs> so, 2012. Meek Mill, man, now I had dreams, and now I had nightmares, and now I had them out of order, but they ain't never sound like that, man, so that, yeah, that right there, whoo, when I heard that song, I was like, he's, he's in a situation where he don't know if he's gonna make it, like, he's hungry, the whole album, hungry, even the album cover, a Rolex connected to a, a handcuff. Man, I saw that. I was like, 
who is this dude here? And so, yeah, that, that was excellent. Now, all four of those songs, to me, shook the culture in different ways than the songs I mentioned at the beginning. But for me, they all, they all moved me. They, those songs gave me a panoramic view of the culture, especially hip-hop. It was raised to lyricism, it has delivered, you know, new artistry. And it, it was just, man, it, it was nuts. It was nuts. So I, I 100% completely appreciate it because each one of those songs helped me grow. And they, across, they span across decades, right? 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, right? And so, yeah, that's it. Those are my four songs that shook the culture, right? So now we finna move the podcast <laughs> until my favorite space. Either or, neither nor. So, hey, check it out. Like, I'm all about technology, right? So, this is my, this my either. So, I want y'all to pull out your phones, whether you got Androids or you got uh, iPhones. Pull out your phones, right? And I want you to go to, let me type it in. I want you to go to this app that's called... Eat Okra. So go to the Eat Okra app, download it, right? So here's what I like. What I like about the Eat Okra app is, so it's got a list of cities, right? And so, and I get that it's, it's still developing, right? It's still developing. So popular cities, Brooklyn, Harlem, San Fran, Seattle, Philly, Los Angeles, D.C., Houston, Dallas, Chicago, Miami, Atlanta, New Orleans, right? So if I type in Atlanta, Georgia, it switches so I can spotlight. So if I want to eat local eats, click on local eats, all black businesses, Dave's Big Cheese Steaks, Just Add Honey Tea, Mangoes, Caribbean, just around the corner, right? It's like, it's like a concierge in your hand for black food experience, right? So say I click on Soul Food, click on Soul Food, pulls up just around the corner, Old Lady Gang, BQE Restaurant. See that band, they got live music wine, wine and bar, right? Sweet Georgia Jukes, Puff and Petals Lounge. That's just soul food. But say, I want Caribbean cuisine. So I want Caribbean cuisine in Atlanta. I'm like, uh, what it got here? The Atlanta Breakfast Club. The Atlanta Breakfast Club. That sounds dope. And then they have La Petite de Marche. <laughs> Ghost's Breakfast Bar, right? They got they got a little bit of Boogaloo Restaurant. If I'm in the ATL, right? Then they got a uh, breakfast, breakfast and brunch. Click on that, twist the soul, right? And so it's it, this app here is an app that that essentially gives you the the three thousand level view, right? Or it gives you the ground level view. Houston, Texas. We I'm heading to Texas to do some work there. Spotlight. Lucille's is a spotlight restaurant in Houston. So click on that. It's dining and takeout. Lucille's, 5512 La Branch Street in Houston, 77004. Tells you what type of, it gives you the website link. It gives you the, man, a Google drop in on top of it. So you can see the streets, drive in, times is open from 11 to 9 with the telephone number. And so, yeah, this, this app is extra dope. So I, I be, you know, on the website, doing my thing, you know, I, I shout out to Dr. A, because she, you know, sh- she shot me this information, 
she was like, hey, you need to, you need to cover this. This is important to the culture. So I was like, hey, we're going to do it just because of that. And so, yeah, eat okra. That, that's my either. Because I'm, I'm all about having the technology in your hand. Oftentimes, I go to places, you know, you ask the concierge at the hotel, what's the black spots to go eat at, you know? If I want to go to a slutty vegan in Atlanta, because I'm transitioning to being vegan, they ain't going to know that. Nine times out of ten, they're not going to know that, right? And so this app helps you know that on your own. So everybody, download Eat Okra. It's pretty extra dope. So that that's my either. This my or. <laughs> So, you know what? I appreciate everybody that participates in hip-hop culture, right? Because, I mean, hip-hop culture is important, right? And so I got favorite MCs, you know, that I love. But, you know, I, because I love college football, because I'm boycotting NFL football, I, I got, I, I follow players. That's hot. <laughs> but, but what's funny is, because people that grew up had kids listen to their favorite MCs, you got... Football players like Mace Funa. <laughs> Mace Funa's a linebacker for the Oregon Ducks, right? Named after Mason Betha. <laughs> of puppy fame, you know. Can't nobody hold me down. Uh-oh. Yeah, Mace, yeah. Then you got Mystical McGee. <laughs> Oh, man, I can't believe this. So you got Mystical McGee. Uh, what Mystical play? He was a Subway High School All-American. He plays for Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Woo, it's a lot of names. Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Mystical, shake your ass. Watch, shake your ass. Show me what you're working with. That's Mystical. That's who, that's who he named out. So you know his parents, probably, probably from New Orleans. Then you got uh, Cameron Kelly. Play for the North Carolina Tar Heels <laughs> right now. He's a defensive back. <laughs> Cameron, so, you know, he's probably like, we, we going to get it right tonight. You smoke, I do. I drink, I smoke, and we going to get it on tonight. <laughs> Cameron Kelly, and th this one takes the cake of all of them. I went through the hoodoo. I had to come through the hoodoo to find this right here. <laughs> this brother's name is Jadakiss Harvey. <laughs> So, <laughs> I've never been a Locks fan, right? And so, this this, this cat, he he's a, a consistent All-American. He playing right now. He in high school right now. Getting ready to leave. They don't say where he committed to. But he's a high school player right now. Six foot, 172 pound wide receiver. So, I'm 2,000% I'm for the culture naming their kids after MCs. <laughs> I would I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. Rakim can't name my son Rakim. Dope name, right? Couldn't name my son Drake. I, I might can name my son Kendrick, but you wouldn't know that it was after K Dot, so it'd be a little different, right? And so it's just, yeah, that's absolutely nuts to me. <laughs> so that's my either or, right? But here's my neither nor. So Again, people know I'm a Marvel head, right? I love Marvel, hate DC. But when I saw the Joker movie, spoiler alert, when I saw the Joker movie, I was like, yo, I got to go get it. I got to go to the Joker. I got to go see the Joker do his thing because it's probably going to be extra dope. So I'm going to go ahead and check it out. And so I was like, 
this movie ain't about the Joker. <laughs> it's not. It, it, here's a couple of reasons why. So we all know the storyline arc of the Joker is he's the person that kills Batman's parents in front of Batman. Part of the catalyst for Batman becoming Batman because Batman is really a villain who's a good person, kind of. So it goes back to the saying that Harvey Dent said to Batman, right? You either die as the hero or you live long enough to become the villain. So in this Joker movie, which I thought was the origin story, but it's not. The Joker is being set free, right? So the Joker gets arrested for killing somebody live on television and in transit to getting transported to the prison, people crash into the car, kill the police officers, break him out, right? And while the Joker's standing on the car celebrating, someone walks up to Bruce Wayne's parents as they leaving this, like, uh, I guess it's a play at the theater and kills his parents. So that tells me that the Joker ain't the Joker in the movie. The person who's the Joker is the person that kills the parents, not the person who, I guess the Joker, I guess he's a metaphor, represents a metaphor, right, of sorts, of anarchy, right? Because the Joker's all about anarchy. He ain't about the bags. He ain't about the women. He ain't about the power. He's about the anarchy, right? And so another thing that I thought was interesting was, and this is my nor, so, and it was intriguing. All of the black women in the movie, he was intimately involved with. So the Joker has the first counselor is a black woman who who he is attempting to connect with and bond with, right? And then he goes through this um, imaginary phase or state, right? Because he's taking his pills, and it seems I guess he the less he runs out, the insurance runs out, so he can't take his pills anymore. So he begins to see things that aren't there, and he sees himself having a relationship with this one black woman, right? And so he. As, as the story unfolds, he was just imagining that, right? He didn't really have a relationship with her, which is interesting because his last person that helps him, that's a black woman, right? We don't know if he kills her or not because when he leaves, it's with a trail of blood. And so I don't know. So in my mind, he went from distant connection with a black woman that was a counselor to intimate relationship with a black woman in his mind to killing a black woman and discarding her. So that, that was... I don't know, it was, the, it was the arc of his relationship with black women. So that, that was interesting. And so, but the thing I didn't like about the Joker is they framed his psychosis as the reason for his anarchy, right? And so in my understanding of the Joker, he's not crazy. He's not a, he's not a psychopath. He may be a sociopath, but he's not a psychopath. Maybe he's stretching the imagination, right? Because he's, he's mindful of what he needs to do to create anarchy. And so they frame this Joker as crazy. So the more that he doesn't take his pills, the more he experiences his psychosis, which is the reason why he goes off to create the anarchy and kills the guy on television. Plus, one thing I didn't like about the Joker movie is that they frame it as the impetus for him becoming the Joker is because he's not able to protect himself. So one day he's outside. He has a, he has a, uh, so he's he's a terrible clown. <laughs> he brought a gun to a children's party, but anyway, he's a terrible clown. He's outside of the store with the sign spinning it. These kids jack him for the sign and beat him down real bad. 
After that, he gets nervous. He gets a gun. These guys accost him. Um, it, as he's on the subway, he kills them with the pistol. Shoots all three of them and kills them. Right? And I'm like, well, that, that ain't how the Joker was created. He's not. Yeah. He wants soft and got a gun to protect himself. And then the last thing is, you don't know if his mother, they frame his mother, the Joker, as really the brother of Batman. This guy. So that's how I knew that that wasn't the Joker who ultimately ended up killing Bruce Wayne's parents. But they frame it as this guy that is represents the metaphor as the brother of Batman because the father had an affair with his mom. Yes, I, I don't know. <laughs> Too much going on. Too much going on for me to explain. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's my neither, right? Now, my nor... Is absolutely crazy. So, so I'm, I'm going to read something to you. This is the title. New York Times. Facing certain death. Certain in death. You know, air quotes. Teenager with vaping industry injury gets double lung transplant. The surgery of the 17-year-old was the first transplant reported in recent nationwide outbreak of vaping-related injuries. Right? So what, is the, what does that tell us? What is the... What is the Title tells us. It tells us that this person is insured. <laughs> this person is extra insured, right? This is the first paragraph. 17-year-old boy whose lungs were irreversibly damaged by vaping receives a double lung transplant at the Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit. A life-saving measure taken when the patient's own lungs are diseased and damaged beyond repair, and there is no other hope of survival, doctor said on Tuesday. So here's the deal. If you want to kill yourself vaping, do it. <laughs> I'm not here to stop you. I'm not here to judge you. If you love smoking nicotine, cigarettes, and killing yourself slowly, emphysema or getting cancer, do it. That's your life. I'm not here to police your life. If you are vaping, I don't know what to say about you. Like you have a death wish. After I read this, his lungs were so bad from vaping that he needed both of his lungs removed. He's 17 years old. Like how he and he ain't even been smoking as I look. He haven't even been. Listen to this. This case is the first transplant reported in a nationwide outbreak of vaping-related lung injuries, and it highlights the severity of an illness. As of November 5th, had 2,051 people, right? Y'all got the illness from, from vaping, and 40 of you died. Died. And they just believe, right, that it's, this is the, the tip of the iceberg. Stop Vaping, please stop vaping. Let me let me tell you right now. If you're a vaping manufacturer and you you got a smoke shop and you want to run an ad on the facade podcast, I'm not accepting your money because it's blood money. People's really dying because it is vaping, and I'm not. Yeah, that's that's nuts to me. I don't understand it. I don't support it, and I don't understand it. So please, I I need somebody to just. Just get your mind right. There's no need. You don't have to vape. So don't vape. Preserve your life. 
Right. And that and that's the end of my either or, neither, nor. So this this is gonna be the longest facade podcast. Cause we 75 minutes in. When this show movie came out, right, on Netflix, I'm a Netflix junkie. When this came out on Netflix, I was like, I gotta watch it. So I knew it was Kerry Washington was in it. I'd heard about the play. And so the name of the show is called American Son, right? And so what 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 bothered me about it, just going in, is they set up a scenario. Well, I, I'll play the clip, but it reminds me of the shooting of Jordan Davis. So if those of you don't remember, Jordan Davis, 17-year-old high school student, right, Friday, November 23rd, 2012, Gate Petroleum Gas Station, Jacksonville, Florida. You know, they got the basically the stand your ground law. So you can kill somebody and get away with it, essentially. Michael Dunn, 45-year-old software developer, shoots and kills him because him and his friends are listening to hip-hop music too loud, right? When I saw the scenario, it made me think. Like, I wonder if his parents went through the same thing as Carrie Washington and her husband in this Netflix show. And so I'm, I'm going to play the, the um, trailer, a brief of it. Play the trailer, and then we'll talk about it on the backside. My son never came home. Look, I'm sure that he's going to turn up. First name? Jamal, J-A-M-A-L. Does he have any distinguishing scars, tattoos, gold teeth? Uh, does he go by any street names? He doesn't have a street name. There was an incident. What does that mean? Further information needs to go through Lieutenant Stokes. I don't know him personally. They told me that he's been paged to come down here immediately. I want to know now. Man, I'm glad you're here. She went from, like, zero to ghetto and nothing flat. It's okay. Everything's gonna be fine. Where's our son? Ma'am, I have kids, too. Any of them black? Excuse me? Keep your hands on the wheel, boy. Look straight ahead. Don't make any sudden moves. Wouldn't want to make the man in the bulletproof vest nervous when he's pointing a Glock at your head. So, that's a bit of the trailer. It's a little bit longer, but I truncated it for the purpose of the podcast. And so what, it, what is intriguing about it is that it's layered. So the whole movie takes place in one room, essentially the police station, right? And so what, what's interesting is there's an interaction between Carrie Washington, who's the mother, and then there's a, a white male actor. His name escapes me at the moment. He's the father, right? So you don't know that in the beginning. And so they interact. What is what is intriguing? So a lot of things are intriguing to me. And I, I don't want to give it away. I, I Spoiler alert for the Joker because I didn't like it. But for this, I encourage everyone to watch it, have a discussion with your friends after it, or just about policing uh, in a juxtaposition of black and white love in, in interracial couples and just what that looks like, how it's supposed to play out, and how do you raise your, your kids, right? So, like, for me... You know, I do the community village, so me and wifey go all around the country and teach um, white parents, foster parents, or adoptive parents who have black children how to raise those kids, right? So it's, it's more than grease on their hair and soul food in their stomach. <laughs> like, it's layered, right? But in this situation, their son is missing. He doesn't come home. 
He doesn't call. They leave messages, right? His daddy's an FBI agent. And so what, what was what is most perplexing to me is she is angry. Like she's super angry at him as the white father. And she gives all these signs about that, about her son's life as him rearing himself, him growing up, right? And about all the things that he missed as a white father. So she talks about going to hanging out with him, well, being with him, with his friends. And when his wife, when one of his white friends gives her his jacket and says, hang up my jacket, she hears it differently, right? Like she's the help. They assume she's the help. And so she has this rage. You know, she said that her son hates him, the father, because he leaves his son, right? And so what she's saying is you, your son is hurt by you leaving. And he's like, I didn't leave him. I left you. So their marriage is dissolving, right? But he, he doesn't understand why she's angry because she always been the same. Like her black always been the same. She's outraged now because her black son is missing. But in my estimation, like she was, she saw, she either didn't see him as white or didn't care that he was white or attached the love to the possibility that we're going to have children together. Right? And so, but when the son comes up missing, there's all this outrage. Right? And then she has an interaction with the black police officer, (laughs) which is fireworks because they're waiting so they get a, a rookie cop that comes in, tries to placate, uh, offer, offer something to drink, trying to get her to calm down for the white husband comes in, who's an FBI agent. White husband comes in, he switches up his behavior. He tells the white husband, who's the FBI agent, information that he didn't tell the black mom, right? And then, and then the husband doesn't tell the black mom, who's his wife. So I, I, that didn't make sense to me. But it was just, it's a, um, it's it's a, a really, it's an in-depth look. If you just want to invite friends and family over to have a discussion about race uh, and what it should look like, raising kids, uh, interracial love, policing of black bodies, like it's a really, 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 really good show, right? So what we're not going to do is criticize it, right? The show. Because it, I, I was on Twitter reading, people are mad. It's, it's just in one room. Yeah, it's a, it's it's based off a play. <laughs> it's one set in the, on the play, right? So be patient. I hate this era of people. They just want instant gratification. Some things you need to sit through, sift through it intellectually and emotionally before you press send on your tweet or your Facebook or your Insta Live. Like, put your mind in it and your heart in it, too. And so, yeah, American Son, it's, uh, man, people make choices. You know, I always said uh, uh, the greatest political act you can ever do is who you love. You know, it's who you decide to marry. And so you can't see somebody one way, and then when your identity is challenged because your kids are harmed, like you take it out on your spouse that's opposite race or gender, right? I don't want to give it away, but yeah, don't do that. So done with what we not going to do next. So we finna get into time by. <laughs> yeah, this is the DM section. Essentially what y'all out there talking about. So this, this is a question I got from Brian Allen, right? So he works at so clean auto spa in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? His question is essentially 
about food, food intake, essentially slave food from the slave era. Like, why do black people still eat food from the slave era when we don't have to, right? Chitterlings, uh, hog head cheese, chicken feet, uh, some of y'all eating fat back. <laughs> like, like, what y'all should be doing is paying attention to companies like uh, I don't, Beyond Meat. Uh, there, are, there are viable ways for you to exist as a vegan. It costs a little more, but it's healthy. Right, and so I, I think it's the throwback. What he what he's alluding to is, even though we know better, we don't do better, you know. And I I'm not going to scoriate black people because food, this veganism is not a white thing, and it's not a classist thing. Even though it, it is expensive to engage in that type of eating, right, as opposed to eating beef and pork. But to me, I think mentally, I haven't eaten pork in five years. I haven't eaten beef in probably maybe two years, right? So I'm down to chicken and fish as I try to become vegan. But in my mind, it, like I have to, I have to turn it off. Like whenever, whenever I see animals now, I feel sympathy for them because they getting slaughtered to feed me, right? So why would I eat a cow for the protein when I can eat the grass that the cow is eating? Makes sense? <laughs> Makes complete sense to me. Yeah, but I think that's part of it. Like affordable food is bad for you, Right? And I think, you know, I, I know black people, I tell them, you know, about studies that relate to heart disease to that's directly connected to beef, uh, things like uh, maybe Alzheimer's connected to, you know, beef, and people, they don't care. Like, black people, you can't tell us about it. You can tell a black person a whole lot of things. <laughs> well, I wish you would go try to tell somebody what they going to eat. Don't fry that. Yeah, they, yeah, you know, black people, we going to eat. Soul food. Is good, but I eat it maybe twice a year because it is bad. <laughs> yeah, so to answer that question to Brian, like, I think that's it. It's a mentality. Like, we eat what is affordable, but we also eat what we think is good for us. And because we need to learn about the things that are bad for us, you know, I suggest that, you know, while y'all at work, listen to the Facade podcast, somebody need to bring some kale up in there. <laughs> Get you some kale smoothies popping off kale and spinach smoothies with some strawberries and uh, some mangoes. That's healthy, right? No sugar because the fruit, you know, fruit has sugar in it. And I would do that. Yeah, that'd be my thing. I would challenge y'all to do that, to eat healthy. Because, you know, even though our bodies ain't shackled, sometimes our minds are still shackled. And so, yeah, in brief. That's what y'all talking about, eating healthy. I'm all about eating healthy because we don't have to not eat healthy, right? And so that brings us to the last section, which is the D-tangle, right? Essentially, everybody that say they down ain't down for you and your cause, right? So jealousy is a, is a fickle animal, man. Like people be saying they support you. They don't. Right? They say they stand up for social justice. They don't. They they say that they for everything to be righteous. They ain't. You know, I, when I was at this conference, I heard people say, you know, we need to honor the land. We need to honor the indigenous land that was stolen. And my thing was like, indigenous tribes owned Africans. So before we can honor the land, let's honor the Africans that was stolen and buried beneath it. People, they get mad. They ain't want to hear that. <laughs> You know, so ultimately people, they down for their own thing. 
I hate to say that, man. People are down for their own thing. And so the best thing you can do is get you a circle, a nucleus of people that's down for the things that you down for, and roll with those people, man. Because, again, most people that say that they down ain't. And that's the detangle. Facade Podcast is written and produced by me. Original theme music by Taylor Latrey. Audio editing by me. <laughs> if you enjoyed the Facade Podcast, help me spread the word by telling a student, friend, family member, or co-worker about the show. Follow Facade Podcast playlist on Spotify, where you can find our musical playlist curated by yours truly. Also, be sure to introduce yourself at Facade Podcast on Twitter and Facade Pod on IG. Okay, thanks everyone, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>